Hey everybody and welcome to another amazing episode on this beautiful Sunday of Finding Peaks. Your host and president and founder, Chris Burns, more importantly and more intentionally, the recovery cheerleader here at Peaks. <laughs> so grateful to be bringing on my guests today. We have a case manager, Tyler Kea. There we go. <laughs> I love pronouncing his uh, last name right. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, but he's one of our case managers. Um, also a Hawaiian native, repping the Hawaiian shirt today. There we go. Looking yeah. great. Gotta Grateful represent. to have you on. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And then we have another dear friend of mine, um, Mariano Rangel. And he is a residential assistant, but I would say all things residential. Mariano has spent um, years in our residential department, not because he hasn't had the ability to promote out of it, it's because he's so freaking valuable within it that we can't let him go. Um, so I'm so grateful to have these guys on the show. Um, I say it a lot, but I'm going to say it today. These folks are great professionals, but what you're going to learn throughout this show is they're much better humans. Um, authenticity and vulnerability is the name of the game today. And I want to jump in and talk a little bit about how these professionals are helping your loved ones integrate into the community and helping the early stages of their treatment program digestible for them. But before that, <clears throat> I really want to get into how Mariano got here as well as Tyler. They both have a... Um, a really cool recovery story on overcoming a lot of adversity, um, shame, pain, trauma, mental health, you name it. Um, for these guys to be sitting here today, it's a true miracle, and I'm just really grateful to be sitting with you guys. So I want to start with Mariano um, and just ask you, um, how'd you get to Peaks, and how'd you find recovery? Um, it's, a, it's, it's a funny story. Uh, I went to treatment in Pueblo, and I got sober there. They didn't teach me anything about any type of mental health. Mm. It was all my addiction, um, alcoholism, and that's what they said got me to where I was. Uh, after I had finished that program, I had went to a sober house, started there. I started doing these classes. Uh, it was peer recovery coach classes. Okay. I'd met one of our CCAs there. His name was Joseph Best. Mm. Joseph Best was working at peaks, I believe, for two months. And we started talking, and he's like, I think you would do really good at this place. Huh. I was like, well, let me try it out. So after I, met, I completed my peer recovery coach classes, I found peaks, and uh, the rest is history. What year, what year did you start with us? Uh, 2000, I believe it was right before COVID, because okay. they started putting CCAs in mobile home, or uh, what was <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. RVs? Yeah, the RV thing, yeah. Yeah, and I was the guy that was actually picking up the meals, the food for oh, cool. each property, Yeah, and that's how I started. Wow. Yes. What an interesting way to come in, man. It, it was In intense. the pandemic, and out of kind of like, really the lens, and that was the lens for me as well when I came into treatment, the lens that I had been staring through was 12-step, and it is, it's a great start. Um, what did you find when you came to Peaks that was maybe suddenly, um, available to you from an information or an educational perspective that maybe you hadn't seen before, um, personally and professionally? So, once again, coming from knowing only about addiction and, and nothing about mental health, and I believe that's when Peaks was just starting to get into the more of the mental health aspect, uh, I didn't know much, and I started as a 12-step yeah. person. Uh, and all I knew about was just 12-step, and then we did a lot of 12-step, and I started giving my information of 12-step, and that's all I knew. Yeah. I started seeing more of the mental health side. Uh -huh. uh, as you say a lot, it's, it's not why the drug, why the alcohol, it's why the pain. Right. And I had a lot of pain 
it's extreme lot of pain that I was dealing with. Yeah. And I thought I just used because I liked the substance. Sure, I did, mm -hmm. but I also had a lot of pain that I was covering up. Yeah. Uh, so that part, I started seeing the curriculum change, mm -hmm. uh, be more towards mental health once again, and uh, knowing the difference between the two. I, I thought the two were completely different. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't have one without the other, basically. Yeah. So that's and it's, where, it's hard not to compartmentalize them too, especially, you know, I know bits and pieces of your story, but you said you had a lot of pain, a lot of shame, and you come in and you have this opportunity to walk through a treatment program in Pueblo in a 12-step way of life, and for a moment there, this is life-saving stuff. This is life-changing, and, and we really feel from a really entrenched perspective, like I'm indebted to this. Mm. They've done so much, and I still say today that those men and women in the 12-step way of life did so much for me. Um, and it's not one without the other. I think it's a both-and proposition that we've talked about, you know, really taking care of our mental health and really kind of engaging in our community opportunity, um, connecting with family, community, and culture, maybe by way of 12-step, which I think is really powerful. But maybe for the viewers, Mariano, maybe let them know how you came into such passion for this work. So the passion comes from, I was talking to the gentleman Coop. Coop, there we go, Coop. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling up here, I used to pick up my drugs and alcohol, or my drugs right here at the, at the, the depot, right down the street at Acacia Park. I used to sell drugs, stuff like that. Um, you know, being on these streets, I remember days of sitting there on, on, the, on the curb in the middle of a withdrawal or my addiction and looking at families walk by. And I would be like, man, I wanna be like that. Yeah. And I'm never gonna be like that. And that's what I told myself. Mm -hmm. I'm never gonna be like that. And to be able to, and, and to feel the, the despair, the, the loneliness, and seeing as, as these people are walking by. And that's the loneliness and the despair is where I get my passion. I don't want anybody that comes through our program to ever feel that way that I did. That loneliness is, is ugly. Yeah. It's dark, it's miserable, it's all the, all, the, all the words that you can think of that are negative. Uh, those are the days that I spent. And so I definitely don't, that's where my passion comes from, in my heart. I lead a lot of times with my heart. It's because I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. And if you've ever seen me on campus, I'm the guy that's giving hugs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're like, <laughs> you need to ask first. And I have a hard time doing know, that because I'm so, it's so ingrained in me because yeah. I needed that. Yeah. And I wish there was people out there that did that to me at the time. And right. so I do that a lot. And um, yeah, that, that's where my passion comes from is knowing that people are broken, alone. And I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. Yeah. I mean, catch them before the curb catches them. Exactly. I, I love that. And I think that's with the new lens and the mental health focus, that's the opportunity we get um, is we get to come in with some authentic information that fits and say, man, we can heal from this. You're not different than me. No. You don't have this special thing. No. You're not a pariah. You're part of. You're you know, my brother. You're valuable because of, not because of what you did. Correct. Right? It's powerful. Yeah, because you are. You know, it's cool, man. I love that, man. And that's a lot of, a lot of the tune why I, I feel so impassioned to show up each and every day as well is I feel like we have a really, really integrated opportunity both on the campus, in the community, in the IOP, in our circles of life to really 
to really enact really cool change just through connecting, holding space. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So, well, I appreciate you checking in with that, man. It's, um, Thank you. I think it's really important to get some context of where all that passion comes from. And um, you come by it honestly, man, and you've grown through a lot. And um, Our clients are lucky to have you. That's for dang sure. Definitely. Yeah. I'm lucky that I'm there. I'm able to be happy. <laughs> yeah, you know? sure. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Tyler, a um, little bit of the same. I just, um, Tyler's one of our case managers, obviously. He helps um, folks as they come into Peaks really on the onset of, okay, what does aftercare look like? Who is it with? Where are we connected? And why does it matter? Right. Um, it's one of those things at Peaks Recovery that we probably focus just as much on the aftercare plan as we do the inpatient treatment plan just because we know that connective features and the integration in the community is so important. But before we get to kind of what you do as a professional, uh, maybe talk a little bit about your journey, not only while you were in Hawaii, um, but transition over, over here to Colorado and your daughter and some of the powerful messages that um, you've shared with us before. Yeah, so it's a, it's a long story. Mm -hmm. It's been a long road. Yeah. But um, yeah, so okay, okay, we start with Hawaii. Um, I, was, I was homeless. I was homeless. I was using. I've, I've lost all hope. There was no part of me that, that wanted to get clean because I, I couldn't find a reason to. You know, and similar to what Mariano was sharing earlier, like I would sit on the bench, you know, and watch families walk by. I would watch dads with their daughters walk by, and I just hated them. I hated them because why do you get to do this and wow. I don't? Yeah. And I just grew, you know, resentment of my, the position that I was in, you know? So it was just, I didn't want to change. I thought I couldn't change. Right. What, what led me to change was I, I got arrested. I got arrested. I was facing a felony charge <clears throat> and that just, that woke me up. Mm. That woke me up. I didn't know what recovery was. I didn't know what it looked like. The only thing I knew about like, you know, 12 step meetings, I knew that from, from movies. Sure. <laughs> Hi, my name is, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic. Right. That's, that's all I knew about it. Mm -hmm. So I get into this recovery thing, just not knowing what it, where it was gonna lead me, who I was gonna turn into or anything. Uh -huh. I just wanted to stay out of jail. Yeah. I get into it and it's a whole new world that you open up to. You know, just a, a life, enjoying a life without substances was unimaginable. No. <laughs> unimaginable. Yeah. Just your regular day-to-day -day things without substances mm -hmm. is unmanageable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I get clean. I get clean. Um, How long were you um, out there on the streets? Five years. Five years. Five years. Yeah. And I think what's important, too, to mention in that is, you know, I'm sure your family's like, you don't need to do this, right? You don't yeah. Need to do, you don't need to do that, but it's... it's when we're in that place of loneliness and isolation and despair, to your guys' point, everything's pretty ugly and pretty negative. And it really takes great, great people in a recovery community who you introduced yourself to to yeah. really begin to grow out of that and have some hope. Right. You know? So um, your experience of coming off the streets, what was that like? It was different. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I didn't fit in. Yeah. I felt like I would never have fit in. And especially, you know, moving up here to Colorado to be with my daughter and her mom. Yeah. Um, it's, it's growing up in Hawaii, right? Mm -hmm. You see the tourists coming in, mm -hmm. 
and they have things. Yeah. They can spend their money, right? So being a local, you know, you kind of you grow resentment and you kind of wish you had certain things, right? So now I'm moving up to Colorado to the main states and it's like, I don't, I don't fit in here. I don't have what they have. You know, I have earrings, I have yeah. tattoos. Yeah. So that was a whole nother shift for me just to, just to gain some confidence in myself. It was, yeah. Yeah, that transition has to be tough, man. Right. It's so much more, it feels even, even more simple over there. And kind of the American dream, if you will, the intensity of which society pushes mental health into the ground yeah. um, is alive and well. Right. And I never thought about it from that perspective, but transitioning from a place like that, it's a little bit more simple and coming over here, your ability to integrate into the community was probably really tough, at least up here. Yeah. You know, I'm sure everybody's yeah. like, come on, you know. Right. Um, right. But up here, it's almost nearly impossible. Right. 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 Oh, that's interesting. How long after you moved here did you start working in the field? A week. Yeah. Two weeks. <laughs> out, of, wow. out of rehab, I decided this is the field I wanted to go into. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I was so stuck on the streets for so long. Yeah. There is no way out. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I found the light. Yeah. I can help others find that light. This is the field I need to be in. Yeah. So I came up here knowing that I wanted to be in this field. Google search, treatment centers in the area. I came across this. I think I got a call back in a couple of days. And I was, that was it. When did you start with us, Tyler? 2021. Early 2021. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot like Mariano, <coughs> coming to Peaks, um, and just what we do in Peaks Culture too, even just not with just clients, but staff and team, we all sit down with each other. We have smoothies, we have coffees, we talk about what's working in our recovery. And I've sat down with both of these gentlemen at certain times and they're like, what does this look like? And what does this look like? And we've been able to share and exchange that information through that privileged opportunity that we've had over these years. I've experienced a tremendous amount of insight, which has created an opportunity for growth. What has it been that's really shifted? I know Mariano spoke on it really well, but what has it been for you that's shifted since you've come to Peaks? Because it really does feel like both of you, since the moment I met you nearly years ago now, have so much more hope in your personal journey, your professional journey, your outlook, your wisdom, the way that you sit with people. Um, So maybe what has that been for you? Has it been a personal thing or has it been professional or both? I think it's it leans more towards the professional side. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's just, it's just growth. Mm-hmm. How can I be better? Mm-hmm. What more can I learn mm-hmm. to, to help the next man find that light at the end of the tunnel? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're talking about 12-step, you know, 12-step is a good foundation. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a good foundation. It got me into the community when I moved up here, mm-hmm. right? But I feel like it's incomplete. You know, when, when we start diving down and we start saying our resentments and things like that, where does that leave us? Mm-hmm. You know, we still got all of that to deal with. Yeah, we said it. We shared it with a sponsor. Right. But now what do we do? Right. So just finding that shift and trying to just complete right. the transition. Yeah. It's, it's interesting uh-huh. on a professional level. Yeah. And it's, it's beneficial on, the, on a personal level. Yeah. Because yeah. really <clears throat> getting to see that, that authentic opportunity to say, okay, resentment it is, why? Right. It's not because I'm having a bad day. 
It's because I'm generally resentful or I'm generally angry. My, generally, my brain's trying to keep me safe. Generally, my brain's trying to keep me out of feelings that I've detached from since a really early age. Why? Because it's safe, right? Right, right. And so I love, I love that opportunity that we all have today to really call it what it is. We get to go kind of see where that root is, repair it, and get this really holistic opportunity to heal, right? And it's not just us. This, these are the clients that are coming in. We get to heal. Hmm. We get to let go and heal and not just let go, right? right. But I, I do love right. that 12-step right. methodology because in that, it's, it's a counterbalancing, right? And one of the most cost-effective things I've seen, you guys as well, is just one person struggling with their mental health sitting down with another, you know, exactly. and walking it through on that side of things. So, yeah. um, and I want to make sure and mention, too, that you carry a tremendous amount of pride being from Hawaii. Um, and I think you're only your only family member out here, right? Do you have any other family members outside? Except of your, for my uh, daughter? my daughter and her mom. Yeah. They we're from Hawaii, so oh, they're from Hawaii too. Coach. That's about it, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe talk to the viewers a little bit about. I mean, when you go to Hawaii, we, we have a lot of um, folks that come out here to treatment from Hawaii because the resources out there aren't early enough, and they're not available. And when they are, they're backed up or they're um, oversaturated. And you know, what does it mean for you being out here? You know, a, a native uh, a Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Um, and being out here in recovery and really pushing this pace and helping others um, so far from home. I feel accomplished. Yeah. I feel accomplished because a lot of people don't make it out mm -hmm. of, of Hawaii. Yeah. You know, there's so much pride there. Yeah. I'm Hawaiian. This is, this is my land. This is my people. Yeah. I'm going to stay here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect it, whatever that might look like. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to show people what Hawaiians are. Right, so so you get stuck in that that mindset, and it's hard to live out there. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, there's a lot of crimes, a lot of drugs, there's a lot of everything. It's, it's a small area. It's a small area. Yeah, and it's 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 just hard to escape it. Yeah. So even when you know before the show, I was walking around the block, and you know you get a sense of pride and accomplishment because I made it out. Yeah. You know I drive to work, coming down Old Ranch Road, you can see Pikes Peak. Yeah. In the morning, and it shines purple. <laughs> Yeah, and that's just, it, it just hits me like I made it out. Yeah. And I think I want to make sure the viewers know too, is like I've had the opportunity to sit with Tyler. Um, and, and the movement out here to Colorado isn't an effort to walk with and help his people long term. Um, I think it shines like a bright light. And I think initially it feels, and I don't have any experience with it, just sitting with you, it feels like I'm doing <clears throat> my people or this state or this, this world and this culture a disservice. But then you leave and you start taking care of your mental health. People start reaching out to you from back home, being like, hey, man, you look good. Now you're spreading an infectious message that the world and your people can hear so clearly. And I just think it's, it's not only already impactful, um, it's going to continue to be even more impactful. And you're just getting started on that side of things. Yeah. You know? It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, Mariano, talking about client culture. Okay. specifically client culture, what I want to touch on before we get out of the show. And I thank you both for sharing a little bit of your story and whatnot. But client culture, different than the approach maybe that we used to use, or maybe in, in addition to the approach that we used to use, what are you finding through meeting people where they're at, trauma-informed care, what are you finding through meeting people where they're at in regards to the client's ability to settle? Something that I really struggled with in my early career was Clients get into treatment, they don't feel safe, they want to leave, we got to talk them out of leaving. What I found at peaks, and specifically through your all's approach and the way that 
I think you meet with them on the front end, you all have this ability to meet them where they're at, and they really begin to settle in a way that I haven't seen in my career, specifically over the last few years. So maybe on the ground level with the client care aids, um, since you tend to spearhead a lot of that stuff or be a part of that spearhead, um, what have you seen on that side of things that um, differently that clients are really able to digest more so than kind of like being with someone instead of talking at someone mm. potentially, right? I would, I would say the recent finding really good CCAs to start with uh -huh. um, that are able to that just have a good way of, of connection, also de-escalation, stuff like that, and being just more intentional, mm -hmm. along with now, besides that, having people help us along the way. Uh, we have meetings... Uh, I believe once a month where we'll get a clinician in and they'll talk about a certain uh, like de-escalation. Mm -hmm. Last week we did anxiety. Okay. Actually, it was a couple days ago that we did anxiety. Um, having doctors come in and teach us more about uh, MDD or a, a certain type of uh, mental health. Uh, we have so many different things going on where we are getting trained on how to do things better, even though we might know so, a little bit, sure. uh, get, getting a better taste and a better example of how to do things on a more professional level, yeah. rather than just winging it. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that this helped tremendously to be able to broaden ourselves as staff, because at times I've, I've caught myself being like, I don't know how to do this. Right. I've never seen this arise. I've never seen a person with such diagnoses or you know such like that right. but having more training along the way has been extremely benef beneficial yeah I, I love that you hit on that man it's when i first started in the field we were, or the position was called house manager it wasn't a client care aid and i love how we've shifted that position um, for good reason because you're educated you're trained you're connected you're integrated into the clinical model and everything in between i think that's something really exceptional for CCA culture and the ability to meet, meet clients where they're at. My old experience was you come in as a house manager, you're sober so you know how to do that and you just go help people be sober. Yeah, right. And I can't tell you how many young people I sat with and they're just like, yeah, that's not working. No. <laughs> and I'm like, well, did you do this? Did you do this? He's like, man, I just got here. Yeah. But to your point, what you all do is you move in, right? You guys have learned motivational interviewing. You've learned uh, how to hold space with an individual, to walk into somebody having a mental health episode and simply just be there with them and say, that sounds really freaking difficult, man. And they're like, yeah, it is. Instead of say, I got a solution. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the times I wanted to talk. Yeah. And it's a lot better to just have an ear sometimes because mm -hmm. some we just want to be heard. Yeah. You know? And, and when we're working with mental health, a lot of times it's it, man. It's just been a long time since someone's let me sit uninterrupted and tell my side of things. And that can be really, really beneficial. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. Yeah. That's a, and it's been a huge shift on campus that I see. And I, I just go for smoothies and group. But clients' ability to settle in the onset of treatment and throughout the integration process is exponentially better than it was five years ago. Um, and it's really cool to be a part of, man. Just watching people feel safe. And it's really just getting on their level. Yeah. Emotionally, mm -hmm. you know, all of that. It's, it's you know, you got, you got this, some clients who have a rough day, rough week. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving right now. I'm going to walk up this driveway and I'm leaving. 
Yeah. Okay, I'm walking with you. Mm. I'm going to walk with you. You know, they sit down on the floor. They start crying in the corner. We sit down on the floor right next to them. You know, I'm here with you. We're in this together. Yeah. I know how you feel. I've been there. Yeah. But there's a way out of this. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's like getting down into the manhole with them. Right. Right. Instead of sitting over the top, that's that empathy stuff we talk about. Jason always defines it so clearly. Instead of being like, man, that's a shitty hole you got. That's old culture. Yeah. Right. Right. I didn't get here by mistake. <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. You sit down with them. It's beautiful, man. And that's my experience at Peaks. And that, for what you guys both said, when you're looking for the difference, um, I think that's it right there is those subtle, meaningful moments that matter that mean everything, right? Yeah. Meaningful moments that matter that mean everything. And um, Tyler, a little differently than Mariano, he works with them throughout treatment and helps integrate them into the community, integrate them into the IOP process. Um, what have you found, and I think it has a lot to do with um, the work that we're doing on ourselves too. If we stay active and involved in our mental health recovery, we can really feel like we're a part of the process with these individuals that are right. recovering, right? right. Um, what have you seen throughout your job as a case manager, maybe as you've started to dive into some personal work, but really on the client side as well as like, how are you finding people settle when you can meet them where they're at? It's creating that r rapport, mm. you know, creating that rapport because a lot of clients come in and they don't even know what treatment is. Right. You know, they don't know what recovery is. They just know they needed help and they reached out and this is what they got. So it's just, it's just guiding them through that, you know, and because I did my work personally, you know, I can speak from experience where, hey, when you leave our residential setting, this safe environment, yeah. you're going right back into this, this environment that you came from. Mm -hmm. How are we going to balance this, right? right? How are we going to maintain the work we're doing here? Transition outside, how are we going to maintain it? Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's scary. Uh -huh. It's scary. And you see the, the stages of the clients. They come in scared. Through the, the middle of their stay, they're all right. They're nice and comfortable. They got some sessions in. Mm -hmm. They're learning new things. They're intrigued. Yeah. Now it gets towards the end, and now they're scared again, yeah. right? Because they're going right back out. Mm -hmm. So just to guide them through that process where, hey, if we just take this step by step, we got this. Yeah. I love that, man. You, you explained that really well. And oftentimes what you're dealing with, too, and I don't think people conceptualize this a lot. They just think, Joey wants to leave because he's pissed off or he, right. doesn't, he doesn't want to do aftercare because he's mad at his family or, uh, you know, John doesn't want to engage in this because I think oftentimes what you're dealing with, especially throughout a treatment episode, is individual esteem. And so you come in, if you're anything like me, I'm, I'm batting zero. I'm not batting a thousand. Yeah. My esteem is in the tank. I don't have a lot of self-worth, haven't been seen, valued, and heard in years. In fact, I feel like someone just threw me away in a trash can. And so you're coming in trying to say, hey, you're not only worthy of this 45 days, but this 90 thing on the other side. Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, I get chills when I talk about it. Yeah. But you're right, as the team and others begin to build individuals up, they gain this certain level of resiliency. And even though the fear comes back up at the end, the willingness is there. Yeah. Because they're putting themselves by that point, hopefully, number one in their treatment plan. But it takes a lot of work to gain that esteem and that value. You know? Yeah. But it makes a lot of sense to me why, you know, people come in, we hear the admissions line all the time. You know, so-and-so wants to come in for one week and t two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, and I've been there on the admissions <laughs> line exactly. before. I've been like, I'm, I can only, I'm only going to do a week. And they're like, we're trying to scholarship you for 30 days, Chris. And I'm like, 
I'll do two weeks. Right, you know? right. Like this is free, but we're buttoned up against a lot of things. Yeah, um, yeah. And maybe just kind of leave the viewers with the opportunity um, for hope in that transition. What is kind of some of your greatest experiences? What is the greatest thing to experience on the back end of a treatment stay as a case manager? Like, how are you fulfilled? The hope that they, the hope that they, they leave with, mm. right? Yeah. Because now we have a plan. Now we're, now we're moving into something. Uh -huh. Life is scary. We all know that. Mm -hmm. And we're moving back out into it, right? But we got this in place. We got this in place. Mm -hmm. Now you got people to call. Now you got tools to use. Yep. You know what you're doing. You're, you're not going into, you're going into the same environment, yes, but you're going into it a different person. Yeah. Watching that transition. Right. It's huge. Right. Yeah. Mariano, what about for you? What is, what is just some depth to like the experience at Peaks as a professional? Like what are some of your greatest gifts when somebody leaves? Because people sometimes say to me, they say, Chris, ah, oh, what you do for a living. Oh, it's like it's charity work or something. I feel like I got the greatest job on earth because yep. I get to watch people come in hopeless and have hope come alive right in front of me. And I've said it before on the show, my goal for every person that comes through Peaks, this isn't the team's goal, it's my goal, is that everybody has hope, more hope than they can remember having. And that's how I choose to remember that experience. Maybe for you, it's, it's similar. You know, I, like Tyler had stated, they come in they're just broken, deer in headlights. Once we start showing them our, what, how we did it, what we went through, how we went through it, um, sharing stories, stuff like that, you start to see this light flicker at first, then come on completely. And I've heard many times at the end of their 30 days, 45 days, I want a job like you guys have. Mm. Because... You guys have purpose. Yeah. And it's not because you're, you're getting paid for this. We can tell that this is more than getting paid. This is something that, I don't know if I would do this, but <laughs> if I wasn't getting paid, would I still do it? Probably. Yeah. Uh, but they start to see that. They start to see that we're not just there for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. We've been through the depths. We've seen the darkness. Now we've seen the light. And we're able to shed that light on somebody else. Yeah. Um, and they start to see that after the, the amount of days. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many clients that I've reached that point with. And they're like, this is something that I want to do because I like how you represent. Yeah. So it's got to be a cool feeling. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing yeah. feeling. There, I, always, there, I always remember that because we don't, we don't ever see people coping with substances we, we watch them come in pretty raw and vulnerable and watch them quite literally become bright lights in front of our eyes. It's an exceptional opportunity. Um, it really is. And I really appreciate you explaining that so eloquently. I think um, maybe what we leave the viewers with is like Peaks Recovery is this opportunity to come in. Um, and the thing maybe that's different at Peaks isn't something that you can see, but maybe something you connect with and that you feel. And then when you leave, you embody. So that's what, hands down, Peaks is different from any other place. Yeah. We do this. Oh, we live it. Yep, we live it. And that's what everybody needs that yeah. comes through Peaks. Yeah. It's that.
Well, I appreciate you guys coming on the show, man. It's been awesome. I could sit here and talk to you guys forever, but we only have so much time on this Sunday to get it out and that kind of thing. But um, really appreciate you guys coming on. Again, amazing professionals, even better humans. Mariano, Tyler, thank you so much. To our viewers out there, thank you for checking in once again on this beautiful Sunday. Please find us on all of your social media apps. Let's What's start with Apple Music, Spotify, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, podcast, you name it. We're out there. We're putting out some TikToks this week. Happy recovery. Mental health still matters. Peace. Peace.